0: Kids, Real kids. Real questions. Hi, and welcome to Kids Q's. I'm Kate. And I'm Dylan. And it's great to be back with you all after school holidays. Although they do go a bit quick. Oh yeah, but I hope everyone had a fun and safe holidays. Me too. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking about a really important issue. Racism and the recent Black Lives Matter movement. You've probably seen the protests
1: happening all around the world, which started when a black man named George Floyd
0: died after being arrested by police. And this devastating event was all captured on camera, with a video of a white police officer kneeling on George Floyd's neck. His last words were later chanted on the streets around the world. what began with protests in his hometown of Minneapolis spread to the rest of the world.
1: Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Black lives matter.
0: Sadly, some
1: protests led to violence, but in most places, including Australia, the
0: protests were peaceful and meaningful. And many people marched in solidarity with Aboriginals, many of whom experience racism on a daily basis. And today we've got some questions from Yudara Catholic Primary School. And Yadara is actually a word from the Noongar people in the southwest of WA, which loosely translated means in the act of going upward. So we wanted to speak to someone who could
1: really help us understand this situation better. Professor Stan Grant is the Vice-Chancellor's Chair of Australian Indigenous Belonging at Charles Sturt University.
0: He's also a journalist, an author, a film producer and he spent decades as an international correspondent.
1: Professor Stan Grant, thank you so much for joining us on Kids' Cues. We appreciate your time.
2: I'm really honoured to be here. It's fantastic of you to be uh, having this discussion and and for thinking about me to be involved in it.
0: We have so many questions lined up Mm. for you today, so if it's all right, uh, we might just jump straight into it. Let's do it. This first question is from Diego. Why has the death of George Floyd affected everyone around the world?
2: That's a really good question, Diego. And it has affected a lot of people around the world and people who are black or people of colour and people who are white as well. And I think one of the really pleasing things and hopeful things is the way that people have come together to stand up against this injustice. Why did it touch my life, I think, is probably the best way for me to answer this, and that is that as an Indigenous Australian, as a black Australian, we share a very deep connection to black America, historical connection, a connection to a struggle. They, of course, were have a history of slavery in the United States, a history of segregation and oppression. And in Australia as well, we've had very, very similar histories. I looked to black America when I was a young boy and was inspired by their heroes, like Martin Luther King Jr. and the civil rights struggle. So the death of George Floyd spoke to black people all around the world and I think it it touched something very personal in us because it was a reminder of our history and our struggle for justice and a struggle against racism.
1: Yeah, it touched me as well. It was Yeah, definitely. Mm. Hard to watch the footage. I felt just Well, you
2: shouldn't you shouldn't be watching it in some ways because it's it is terrible to watch a yeah. person die and, uh, you know, I've never been able to watch the footage entirely because it is just so painful to watch, but mm. it has created an awareness and I'm, I'm glad that it's touched your life and that you're aware and you're interested as well.
0: I um, think the best thing is for people to be aware of the issue as yes, well. Yes, most certainly. Mm. And yeah. the question is, why
1: does this happen, which leads us to Mitchell.
0: In America, why are people of colour
1: more likely to die in custody?
2: I think the, the bigger issue here of course there is the issue of people dying in custody we see increasing evidence of that we see increasing video of that now as well as people are able to use their mobile phones to film some of these terrible events shocking events i think i think there is a big question here about our history america and australia about a history where the police were often used to enforce segregation uh were often used to against black communities And because of a history of segregation and poverty, so many black communities there and and here have a higher incidence of contact with police. There's higher arrest rates. Uh, There is more police intrusion into people's lives. And when you have that, and you have the history that we have, it creates a flashpoint. It creates tension. It creates feelings of hostility. And when people are confronted by the police, we know that those, those things can get out of hand and then have terribly tragic consequences, as we've seen with George Floyd and as we've seen with so many others.
0: So it's all about the history of the country and imbalance of power as well, which is what Tobias would like to ask you about. Why are there more Caucasian police officers than police officers of colour in America? It's
2: the same question can be asked here in Australia. Why are there so few Indigenous people in our police services and police forces. Uh, And again, it's it's a reflection of the numbers of society. We are a smaller percentage. And in America, while African-Americans are a greater percentage of America than Indigenous people are a percentage of Australia, I still think it's around about 15% of the population in America is African-American. So you're going to have fewer numbers. In some places, African-Americans are in significant positions of power and authority in the police, Uh, and they're in a position to be able to make a difference. It's not just about numbers, though. It is about a culture, and I think we need to focus on this. We need to focus on power and the way that power is used, and we need to focus on the culture of police forces, a culture that is a reflection, sadly, still, of so much of our history, and a culture where there can be, in, in some, not in all, but in some, a very callous disregard for the lives of people of colour.
1: Yeah, because, of course, there are certain stereotypes that people think when they see a person of colour, which is just not right, and perhaps that also possibly contributes to the reason of why there are more white police officers. So with the protests following George Floyd's death, some did turn violent, and Elia has a query in relation to this why are some BLM protesters vandalising statues?
2: If you look at the protests as well, let's not forget that there's not just black people who are involved in the protests. Um, there are white people involved in the protests and some of them are involved in in uh, the you know, tearing down of statues or, or, or spraying paint on statues, as you say. Even the use of the word vandalised um, has a certain connotation. It has a certain... You know, uh, uh, it suggests a lawlessness to people, but in fact sometimes those acts can be acts against power. It's sometimes a reflection of people's sense of powerlessness. I think we need to look at statues in general um, and ask what the statues represent. Statues are not about history. They're about power. They're about who has the power which is why you see more statues of men than women, for instance, because men historically have monopolised power. You also see very few statues of people of colour, because the statues are of white people, because white people monopolised power. You often see statues um, to slave traders or to people who fought, for instance, in America in the Civil War on the side of the southern side of the Confederacy who were fighting to uphold slavery. And so it's it's understandable that people are going to feel angry towards those statues or there's going to be tension around those statues. From my point of view, personally, I'd like to see a constructive approach. I would like to see us use those statues to have more discussion about our history, to ask how we can erect different statues, to ask how maybe we can modify statues or change statues or add plaques that explain the history of these people more fully. It's about creating a conversation rather than creating difference. That's how I see things. But some people are much more angry and they see things very differently.
0: I totally agree. And of course, it is understandable that some people are a little angry at the past, but we can't really change that anymore. And the best thing to do is work on changing it for the future. But thankfully, there were some peaceful protests here in Australia and of most course.
2: Pre- uh, most protests were peaceful. Most yeah. protests. Peaceful, yeah,
0: which was really good to see. But Emily has a question about why many Aboriginal people are disadvantaged in Australia. Why are Aboriginals more likely to drop out of school and why is their life expectancy
1: lower than Caucasian people?
2: You often find Indigenous people, Aboriginal people, going to school where they don't feel as if they're welcome or they don't feel as if the school represents their culture, their languages. Uh, they feel at a disadvantage of those schools. Those schools can feel very isolated places for aboriginal people when i was going to school you know when i was a young boy i often felt left out i felt as if i didn't belong and i had to face racism and some of the students there were very racist towards me and that made me feel alone it made me feel sad and, um, and it's hard to stay in school when you're feeling sad and alone and You're not represented and you feel isolated so that's something that we need to look at we need to look at the way people are taught so that that reflects uh the culture that people come from and start teaching our history in a different way that aboriginal people feel as if they belong in australia and they belong in that school system when it comes to disadvantage and poverty it's related to a similar thing and it is related to our history how do we get wealth in society we get wealth because we have education And we have employment and we have property but particularly property if you have property it leads to better life outcomes if you have a home a permanent house it leads to 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 greater wealth and from there you get an education your health is better your life opportunities are better for aboriginal people we lost our land our land was taken from us we were segregated from society for many years we weren't able to go to school with other people and that means that you are at a disadvantage. And when that disadvantage continues from generation to generation, it, 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 it is a legacy of ongoing poverty that people find very difficult to get out of. And until we change uh, our policies, until we create more wealth, more opportunities, until Aboriginal people have greater property and greater stake in Australia, then we're not going to be able to change all the other things as well
1: yeah well the fact that there is still ongoing poverty it's just wrong and everyone should have equal opportunity perhaps better representation in parliament could Mm. help and i know calls for a treaty have been made but not carried out and this relates to Catherine's question why are there more caucasian politicians than aboriginal politicians in australia
2: that's again a a great question And, and it's about our history again it's because Aboriginal people did not have access to power and did not have the opportunities. We weren't members of the parties. We weren't, we didn't have numbers. You know, so much about politics is about having numbers. It's about being able to get elected, get the right number of votes. It's very difficult for Aboriginal people to be able to do that. But there is some change. We have more Aboriginal people in our state and federal parliaments than we've ever had before, ever. For the first time in our history, we have an Aboriginal man, Ken Wyatt, who's the Minister for Indigenous Australians. And that's never happened before in our history.
0: Well, it would be so great to see more young Aboriginals moving into politics, especially since uh, you previously said that they're a minority of people. And this leads Mm. us to a really interesting question from Aidan. Do you think adults are more racist than kids?
2: I think yes, because I think adults have grown up in a different time and sometimes with different attitudes. Um, Children that I find, you know, we're not born as racists. Racism is something that we learn. It is something that starts in the home. It starts in the conversations that you overhear. It starts with the attitudes that people have. And then when you move into school, often those attitudes can harden uh, and, and people feel as if they have a power over other people. And it can be very hurtful. You know, you hear the comments that are made to people in the, in the schoolyard and uh, in the classroom. Uh, these attitudes come from somewhere amongst young children now. I'm starting to see a difference. I think that's probably because their parents have grown up in a different time and their parents' attitudes are changing. And so the children's attitudes are changing. And with each generation, hopefully it gets better and that the, the children of this generation, of your generation, You will be the people to grow up so that you don't have any racist thoughts and that you actually start changing our society so that racism does not have to exist and to control people's lives. So it is changing and I think it's a reflection of the hopefulness of young people that they are coming to this in a different way and opening up their minds more.
1: It's really good to know that people are slowly getting out of the habit of being racist and are opening up their minds more, like you just said. That's really comforting. And And the
0: fact that we are seeing change is a great thing to be able to.
1: Yes, it is. And Kristen wants to know if there are more countries that are doing better than Australia when it comes to racism. Is there a country or region that we can look up to when trying to tackle racism in our society?
2: Racism exists everywhere particularly in countries where there is a history of colonisation and empire. But some societies are struggling and grappling with that in more interesting ways and sometimes better ways. Let's use one example, and I think this is an example because it's very close to Australia, and that is New Zealand. Unlike Australia, New Zealand has a treaty with Maori people, the First Nations people of New Zealand. And that treaty, the Treaty of Waitangi, is the foundation document of New Zealand, Before New Zealand comes into existence, there is the treaty. When the treaty was signed, the governor at the time of New Zealand and the Maori leaders who who signed that treaty, all said, now we are one people. That in signing that treaty, they recognised that this was Maori land and that Pākehā, white people, were entering into Maori country and Maori tradition is a very different way of doing it than Australia, where there is no treaties, no recognition, just taking people's land, segregating people, putting people into the margins of society, which has created so many of the ongoing problems we have. New Zealand still has deep problems in its own society, it still has racism, but it is better in the way that it has dealt with those issues and the awareness of Maori culture and its place in New Zealand.
1: It's really good that New Zealand has a treaty. And I think I know the answer to this question already, except do you believe Australia should also get a treaty?
2: Of course it should. it's It's about justice. It's about recognising our past and our history. And it doesn't take anything away from Australia. Australia still exists. Australia is still Australia, but it's a better Australia because Aboriginal people feel as if our place in this country is is recognised.
0: Well, it's amazing that we have another country to look up to and especially since that place is quite close to Australia as well. Yeah. Our final question and probably most important question comes from Cara. How can we move forward in Australia
1: to help us become a more harmonious society?
2: The best way to do that is to do what we're doing now. Being involved in these conversations, having these discussions, These questions that you're asking that everyone should ask, being able to listen to each other, being able to to feel as if we share this country together, that we are a part of each other, that my history is your history, um, that my family is your family. The way that you build a nation is by telling a story. Storytelling is the most important thing we can do in a nation. It's more important than politics. It's more important than law. Politics and laws change, but stories run deep. I think read more, think more, meet more Aboriginal people, listen more, have more conversations, have discussions like you're having today, talk amongst your classmates, talk to your teachers, make sure that you you seek out information, read Aboriginal books, be aware of the country you're living in, travel to Aboriginal communities, Whenever you do those things, you deepen what it is to be an Australian. It becomes a much richer experience. You feel as if you have a sense of belonging here because you're no longer taking from people, but you're giving back to your own country. So storytelling is the most important way, I think, of being able to bring us together.
0: I know some schools are actually uh, taking action towards this by teaching students Aboriginal language and Aboriginal culture.
2: They are. That's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good, and it never happened when I was going to school, so things are changing.
0: We can't thank you enough for helping us understand this very complex and also sensitive issue.
2: Thank you very much. They were fantastic questions. You're all amazing, I think. You are so much smarter than I was when I was your age. And <laughs> what, what, what you're doing at school is incredible, so thank you so much.
1: Thanks again for your time. That really was amazing advice. And it's, of course, not always an easy thing to discuss, but it's really important
0: that yes. we do. Yeah. It is. Thanks again for Thank your time.
2: You. Thank, Thank you.
0: you. And thanks to all the Year sixes at Yudara Catholic Primary School for your questions.
1: We hope you can join us again next week for Kids' Cues when we're going to be speaking with
0: a real-life astronaut in America. That's going to be fun. Yeah, we're super excited. I can't wait. Make sure you tell your friends to tune in. Well, that's it from us. Until then, bye for now.
2: Kids' Cues.
0: Brought to you by the West Australian's Ed Magazine and Seven West Media Education.